welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Hola. Welcome to this episode of Employee of the Month with Mr. Chris Henchy. He is an actor, writer, and producer. He's one of the co-founders of Funny or Die. He also wrote The Campaign, The Other Guy, Land of the Lost. Um, he had his own series called I'm With Her, which he created about marrying Ms. Brooke Shields and what it was like to have this beautiful supermodel who's actually hilarious fall in love with you. But in the show, his character is an innocent teacher. And he really got his start. His big breakthrough would be on Gary Shandling's show, which he met playing basketball. So I need to learn how to play basketball. There's there's so many worlds that I am never going to break into and all these different boys clubs. And uh, I love to watch basketball. I'm available to watch, but I feel like it might work against me if I actually try to play. I love it. I love the sport. It will be unwittingly amusing. So maybe I'll get hired that way. I really was thrilled to be able to interview Henchy also because he struggled. Uh, it was not an easy one to break in. He started out in finance. That doesn't sound like much of a struggle, but to leave that and try to break into Hollywood with zero connections and no money, he definitely faced things like not having enough money to pay for utilities at times like water, heat, um, and has completely reinvented himself again and again and each time gets bigger and better. Now as a huge producer doing shows like Entourage and these major blockbusters with Adam McKay and Will Ferrell as part of his Gary Sanchez Productions. Um, and of course, Funny or Die, which we all know is a very serious and thoughtful site where you can get information about what's going on in the world 24-7. It's sort of like the new C-SPAN, but with um, even more low-budget production value. Actually, that, that might have been too on the nose. They actually have really good production value. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. My sidekick, who is not as brilliant as Andy Richter, and you must, please, after you listen to this episode, go to YouTube and watch the Celebrity Jeopardy episode with Dana Delaney, Andy Richter, and Wolf Blitzer, where Wolf Blitzer can't answer any question and they are spoon-fed to him, like what Indiana basketball team called the Hoosiers is the Indiana basketball team called the Hoosiers. Couldn't get that one, couldn't get, and he gets millions of dollars a year to be an expert on the Middle East. Didn't know where Jesus Cristo was born. Was it Jerusalem or Bethlehem? What did you say? What did you say, Wolf Blitzer? That is incorrect. That is incorrect, your answer. You said Jerusalem. Uh, Andy Richter gets everything right in that Celebrity Jeopardy episode. I was so stoked. He's really brilliant. Uh, my sidekick is not quite as intellectually witty. Um, she is more of a silent partner. Um, but if you hear heavy panting and breathing, that is my sidekick. Lady Parts, uh, my dog, um, she loved Chris and I think she may have loved him a little too much and was slobbering over the mic. So my apologies for that, but that is who is panting and getting hot and heavy in the interview. Enjoy my interview with Chris NG. Talk to you in about three, two, one Chris Henchy, um, how do you feel about winning the Employee of the Month award? It's exciting. I wonder who I was up against. <laughs> well, Gloria Steinem also got it this month. Anna Jamato. So there's there's more than one Employee of the Month. Yeah, there's <laughs> like you're giving it to everybody. We have sort of a, a what's well, a large company now. Okay. <laughs> Barack won this month. I won. Barry, Barry, we're Gloria, hoping for in January. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love that he used to go by Barry, Barry. and then like change it. I I am DBD or sorry, Googled you. Right. Do you know what comes up? No. Okay, it says your net worth, your wife, and it says your height. <laughs> Is your height like a very controversial issue? A lot of people talking about it, yeah. Well, I tell everybody I'm 6'5". Is that, and is that true? What does it say? I couldn't, can I tell you? So when you go, go Google you. Yeah. And when you do height, it'll, it'll have these like websites and I'll be like, I cannot confirm Chris Henchy's height. <laughs> 
I didn't know what it was. Uh, they're, I, they're insistent they know your net worth, which is nonsense. Right. And then they do know who your wife is, which is a good thing. Yeah, no, I'm six one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not anywhere near six five. <laughs> you didn't even bat an eye on it. I just like that the third thing going up. Was, I gotta go look at that. <laughs> was your was your height? Okay, so when you were young, you were into theater and writing. I was supposed not to ask at all. you about a broom incident. A friend of yours, Peter Coleman, mentioned a, a broom incident in theater. In theater? At a theater? Did you do a Oh, oh God. <laughs> That's horrible. Um No, I I I was <laughs> no, I was never into uh writing or theater growing up, except I did in fourth grade win a Daughters of the American Revolution writing contest, which I never realized what the Daughters of the American Revolution were, which is just a bunch of, you know, Confederate, and, <laughs> you know, but my mom had me entered and I won. Lincoln's wife? Lincoln's wife. Her family yes. was. Her family. Okay. So, Her so that was, that was one sign. The broom thing's a whole different story, which shouldn't, it, it, I worked in a movie theater, so I wasn't into theater, but. That's uh, what he said. I, I, I yes, he I, was correct and I apologize. You worked I, in a movie theater. I worked in a movie theater. Because yes. you love movies or just popcorn? Uh, I loved movies. And I got to see movies for free and let my friends in for free. And we were all in high school and nobody had money. So it was a it was a win-win and I got paid. And it was just, a, you know, for high school, it was a good job. I do remember my friend Danny, who also became a writer. He worked um, at the Angelica. And when we were young, he worked at the wow. theater in D.C. where I grew up. Yeah. And it is it is an amazing way to learn your craft. It was, uh I, I watched movies over and over. I, you know, I, I had to clean the back of the concession. I used to tear tickets, clean the back of the concession stand, and every night went into Apocalypse Now when it was re-released. I'm old. Uh, did uh, Google say that? No, it um, doesn't no, it did, say but that. Anyway, it said uh, you were 29. Everyone oh God, in Hollywood is 29. Uh, but I always entered uh, the Apocalypse Now theater at the same time. Uh, with Red Dog Six, Red Dog Six being <laughs> announced over one of the platoon, uh, one of the uh, PT boats. So I just sit there and end up watching Martin Sheen come up out of the muck during that time. And it, it, every night I was able to finish in time to go see that. It's but, actually uh, like such a sweet story because you wanted to stay at work. Yeah, I'd say well, I had to. I had, I was, I had to lock up. So, which you want to entrust a a, a multiplex to a sixteen year old with keys. So. But that is who it's entrusted to, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Although now it's so different because I feel like post nine eleven, everything has security and there are cameras on you. As an yeah. Employee, but then I feel like you could have probably. But it was crazy that sixteen years old uh, that I had a key to shut the gate, pull the door behind me, and come back the next morning. That they, yeah. Where where sure. was this? Because I know you were also your. I was all over the, the place. Yeah, so this was in uh, Houston, Texas. And is that where you were for most of high school? That was all of high school. All of high school. Oh, that's good that you were in one place. Yeah, I was, I was lucky that way. The broom story is, has is, is a horrible story. I used to also mess around so uh, with the movies, and and it just happened to be. Wait, wait. Explain what you did with. The well, movies. the broom. So I'd also have my friends show up. And it was a horror movie, and I would tell my friends to wait and watch, go and watch this theater. And I had a big giant push broom hidden behind the screen, and I'd come out and in front of the theater, and no one knew it was me. They saw a figure come out, <laughs> and I would help scrub the woman with the giant push broom, <laughs> and it, the place would go wild. <laughs> it was horrible. She'd be at the bottom of the screen, and I'd just start scrubbing her area, her lady parts, as your dog is named, and uh, with a giant push from. Who is here today? Lady parts is, is my straight man, so she's coming. It's your dog, yeah. But um, <laughs> all my friends remember remember the broom. <laughs> and for some reason, one day when they were, and I would run out the back as soon as I do it, huge reaction from the audience, and then I'd run because, and then one time the manager happened to be watching. Uh, 
the movie, he came in the back of the, in the, well, so I was in the front of the house with the broom or the screen and the exit was behind the screen. So I was able to run out, but he was in the back of the house watching the movie. And for some reason he, he saw it happen. He went running down. I heard the footsteps of a guy running down. I got out and how he didn't know it was me is behind me because I came around the front and I was, I do it on nice, how much I love the theater, the movie theater. I would go there on nights that I wasn't even working because it was the mall. We'd all hang out there. And he saw me that later that evening, like still kind of breathing hard. He's like, somebody, <laughs> I was like, really? But one of the craziest theater stories is this guy was Iranian. It was right after the Iran hostage crisis. Oh, wow. It was, and it was Houston, Texas. And here's this Iranian guy who's come to, from Tehran to have the American dream. And he's in Houston, Texas. And he, he was a good manager and it was fine. But to be in that situation at, 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 in, in Houston, Texas, for anybody who wasn't a tech, I was from New York and had a hard time assimilating. This guy, oh, yeah. <laughs> th- yeah, this guy That's from right. Tehran, who I'm sure you know, well, he was in Houston, Texas was to him. This was Hollywood. So, and I'm sure he wrote back letters and sent money. And here he is. He, he's managing a, a, a four plex in Houston. It's like, and there's palm trees out front. It's a mall. It, it probably looked amazing. But one time we had a bunch of movie, four movies, a bunch. They all sold out. The place was packed. Um, the concession stand was just obliterated and people are restocking it between the movie. And I'm out sweeping with one of those little push sweepers, the, the lobby. And he's standing there and just admiring the whole scene and looking at it like proudly. And he just looks at me and goes, there's no business like show business. So <laughs> and I just remember going, yep. So earnest and he was so happy about it. It was just like in his eyes, we were working in show business. He's also um, so smart to have gotten out when he did because. Oh, yeah, he was. And he the crazy thing, like he would talk to me, but. You know, he would, you know, this is the tail end of the disco era. He was hitting the disco too at night. Like I knew he had the chain. He had the, I love and I was like, God, I hope he's doing okay out there. Cause, uh, cause he had the, he had the perm. He had the, you know, Oh my God! I'm I remember really... looking at his pants. His pants are perfectly hemmed to hit the bottom of his heel. Well, cause I do think I have a stereotype of Iranians as incredibly stylish and like very cultural and very right. into like film and movies. But I'm so impressed that he got out because most people I know, if who are from Iran originally? They, yeah, they came like right after him. Yeah, right when the Shah yeah. fell. So he, so was, he, he was. I think he must. have, he, I'm sure he got out right. It was 1980. This is 81, I guess. So he was. He's been. He had been in the country a couple of years. He was somewhat Americanized, but he definitely got out during a critical period it was, and a dangerous incredible. period. So, um, yeah. Okay, and so then, why did you work in finance when you left college? I was duly impressed. Like, uh, I, you know, it was around college is when I, I, I did some stand up. Uh, I wanted to do stand-up. And, but you did do stand-up. Yeah, but in college I wanted to. And I wrote jokes. And I went to uh, open mic night. And this I saw some guy in Albuquerque. And this guy kills. And I go, there's no way I'm going up. And I didn't realize until I moved to New York, the guy had just borrowed somebody's act. Like, oh, wow. And he just, and I was like, how is the guy doing this? Such good material. <laughs> and he said, oh, we just stole it all. So I, I got His intimidated. His name was Carlos Mencia. He's going yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it. And then, uh, but, uh, Job in finance, go to New York, girlfriend, and also I didn't know anybody in uh, show business, but I didn't know anyone well, who was writing. Know someone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, his name was Masai. Um, I didn't know anybody, so I thought at least if I go get a job on Wall Street, work there, I'd be closer to trying. I, I, I couldn't tell anybody I wanted to be a writer; it was just too difficult. Or uh, people would. I knew what everybody would say is like, "We'll do it as a hobby until something clicks," and you just can't do it as a hobby. 
I come from such a similar background where I was doing this is, this, this is psych. about me though. Sorry, sorry, right. excuse me. All right, go ahead. What you got? <laughs> clinical say? Never mind. I was doing a doctorate <laughs> and I was like avoiding going. You know, it was scary. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know anyone in the field and I understood. You do the same like, thing then, right? Around. Yeah. Yeah. Minus the fact that I do actually think you got financial skills, which is sort of very, impressive. very. No, I not really. I was. I would say neither a lender nor a borrower would be and get yelled at. So. <laughs> but does it help now that you're a producer? No. No. Those those things were so, uh, A, it was so long ago, and B, it was a, a whole different, like uh, uh, movies and budgeting is more like a, a giant checkbook in budgeting, so, and budgeting and home and stuff like that. So It doesn't have anything to it do has, with it. There was no, there's no correlation. Do you feel more comfortable around the guys in suits when you're like trying to get money from them? Well, we, it, 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 what kind of world? <laughs> we have a 50s version of showbiz. Totally. <laughs> hey, guys, we can put this, we got to go talk to the suits. <laughs> no. I don't know if you're talking to Sequoia Capital or places like no, that. It, no. Uh, no. Because, uh, you know, it's crazy. I think when, like, when, like, when we started Funnier Dying, Sequoia Capital came to us. And uh, when we get around those guys, I think they, you know, they downplay suits. So, that, you know, we were at a meeting and clearly they, before they came in, they go, all right, guys. We're going into no ties. Everybody's like, right, no ties. We don't want to scare them. And so all these guys come in, like, clearly wear ties all day. And they, just, they could tell they were like business casual. Yeah, trying, no ties. <laughs> trying so, to be comfy. Yeah. You guys should go in with tuxes next least, time. I know. If you have like, really just go Brooks Brothers. Wait, okay. And so then you were writing promos for MTV or? And then uh, what happened is, uh, well, yeah, I just started writing. I then I started doing some stand up. It was a horrible time to try and do stand up. There were so many people doing it, so it was hard to get stage time. But then I started writing for other comedians and then uh, some promos. Nobody, just open mic, or guys I met in uh, an improv group and just guys who... Uh, you were doing improv too? No, they were doing improv, which I, I wish I had found the improv world back then. Me too. The UCB world and stuff like that, which just seems to be such a avenue that makes things a little clearer and uh, around great, funny people. But I didn't, and so um, just kind of had to make find my, my own little path. But uh, yeah, I just you know just started writing, making phone calls, writing, making phone calls. What do you mean making phone calls? You know, trying to meet people, trying to get, trying to like, hey, can I submit stuff? You know, you know, have not having an agent or anything like that. Just kind of hustling. I was so I'm so impressed because um, it does seem like you did struggle for for a, oh, while. a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. When, and so what was the first thing that you wrote campus cops or was it a no i i uh that was a yeah it was a little some usa show um you know I, mtv hired me a guy named chris kresky hired me to come write promos and then from that i started writing mtv shows and producing them and just that that's a great place to jump in and learn and they just kind of like the movie theater they give you the keys and even though you don't know what you're doing you say yeah 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 and then you figure it out um, it seemed a little like your funnier die model too, because people do they get paid or they get paid very little? At funnier die, yeah. Which people? Uh, we people we who do videos. Who uh, videos? And well, a lot, some of the videos like that. That company has grown so rapidly and amazingly well. You know, it has a, a staff of like 60, 70 people. They're all paid great. You know, and, and uh, nicely and and and. And so, but, you know, people who submit videos, they, they don't get paid. You know, there's just like, it's a, it's an avenue and a forum. It's sort of similar to MTV, working yeah. at Viacom. <laughs> yeah, you would get, yeah. You, and it's a, yeah, you don't Viacom, get paid that much. You anymore. don't get paid that much. Uh, but, you know, it's also, it, it's a launching pad. And you learn, it's a funny, actually, the, the people who come in are pretty skilled. Yes. So, and are, you know, and, and compensated for it. But there's guys down there that are just incredible filmmakers or, and are going to be filmmakers. So I also appreciate it as someone breaking in because I'm like, okay, good. I don't feel as guilty making a mistake. I understand why that person is willing to take a chance on me. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like as big of a liability. Right. 
to come in yeah. and say, hey, can I pitch you this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and which is a much different story than if I would be like, I want to do this apocalypse. Right. <laughs> and you're like, do I know you? No, no get out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, okay. And so. So then, so then writing MTV and then coming out here and struggling and trying to get on a show. And, and you know, I, I came out here with the idea of writing on a sitcom. And I thought that would be kind of the end all be all. Did you do the bat- Battery Park one? Battery Park, yeah. I created that. There was a cop show. And, you know, I got, I got. I had break. I got, you know, I worked hard and got, and got a little lucky and That's a lot of lucky though. Well, yeah. No, it's hard work. Was that the first show you created? No. Uh, yes. Yeah. But I had done, I'd worked on some sitcoms before that. Oh, oh, before that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't come out. I didn't just create a show. Um, And your family are are cops. cops Yeah, I have a lot of cops. Uh, You know what? It it, it was coming out here. I got. I started working at MTV out here on a half-hour comedy hour show called Kamikaze, which is just a version of the old half-hour comedy hour. And I met a lot of great guys there, which you know are people who many of them still around working today. You know, there's a guy named Dave Rath who's a great manager. Dave's a really funny guy. But it was you know um, and. you know, it was the days of like Janine Garofalo and yeah, I and that. you know Mike Benson and all these and and, and all these great you know uh, uh, just all the, that all that whole alternative comedy scene was just exploding. So I, yeah. yeah, so I got to, I got to be on the periphery of that and and hang out with all that and 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 grow with that too. And then uh, but Battery Park was a serious show. No, it was a comedy. I know, but it was like it wasn't a sketch comedy. Oh no, it was a, it was a half hour. Yeah. So anyway, I I uh, I, I met uh, Gary Shandling, who hired me to write monologue for Larry Sanders. Okay, so let's go back to there. And I yeah. I am differentiating between like writing for the late night stand up shows yeah. and late night comedy shows, which does like I see from stand up how you get into that. Right. But then writing for sitcoms and things like that, it does feel like a departure. That's why I was by yeah. yeah 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 oh yeah yeah different. so uh uh but Shandling, let's talk about Shandling, that. Yeah, how did you a, meet him? Uh, basketball. Um, usually, I feel bad that I like didn't go to Harvard. Like that's usually my point. I was my problem. I didn't go to Harvard. <laughs> I was like, I'm never gonna make it. But if I try and learn how to play half a decent basketball, I'll sort of set a pick. <laughs> um, I have a whole new set of yeah, issues. Yeah, learn basketball. Uh, I'm. Uh, I was friend. I am. I'm friends with uh, Judd Apatow, and he goes with through him. He's like, let's we'll go play basketball, Chandler. Or I think we were writing something for. Uh, one of Shannon's appearances, and then then it was like come play basketball, and then hang out so basketball, cool. and then it was like you know it was like the phone call. Does Judd play too? Yeah, sometimes. But the crazy thing was, I remember this. He goes, "Call me next week about basketball," and so I call him Saturday. The game's on Sunday or Sunday morning. I go, and I was just like nervous, like, like take a deep breath, like and like. I got Chris Hansen. If I can play basketball this week, he's like, "Wait, slow down." Who was this? Chris Hansen. Anyway, but Gary, Gary, too nervous. That's how I would feel too, though. I mean, yeah, I'm it guessing was, it's a it hyper competitive game. No, not at all. At it's all? Just, no, it's hyper competitive. No, it's, no, it's it's a it's a great game. It grew with great guys. It's been going on for a long time, and and it's. And Sarah Silverman is the and only. Sarah's there, but it's it's a great it's just a great community, and and then it's Gary, and it's just like oh. So, uh, but he, he, with time, he's like, you know, come write monologue, you know, and I would take full advantage of, you know, staying there the entire week if I could and listen and, and I met. What do you mean? Stay at his house the whole week? If he let me. No, uh, at the show. After the basketball game. Well, let's Yeah. Carol Leifer was starting to get a sitcom and then. Oh, wow. And she's she goes, awesome and she's like, do you want to, you know, give me a script? And then she hired me for her sitcom. 
and then you know then it starts you know spiraling and, and you know did you feel intimidated at all by working for shambling oh god yeah yeah because yeah. he's so brilliant and yeah. also like he's yeah but, but he's also but like. he's he's yeah he, he, very intimidating but you you just try and write funny jokes and just stare at him and go if he reacts it's just just the best it must <laughs> so, be the best yeah. that must be like the parental approval i'll never it's, get yeah <laughs> yeah you'll get it it's the <laughs> By 46, it'll get yeah. there. Wait, and so then, okay, when did you meet your wife, Brooke Shields? Because I want to talk about I'm with her. I met her, uh, I was at Warner Brothers writing, um, writing... An award show? No, uh, oh, it, uh, what became Battery Park, which was originally called Sugar Hill with Charlie Sheen. And it was his first kind of foray into television after his craziness. Just to use the word sugar with him. I'm like, is that code for code yeah, or no. something? <laughs> but it was a cop show. And uh, I was at, I, I bumped a drone a lot and, and became friends. And then what happened was I had a job writing some award shows, which, you know, when you're struggling, it's amazing. They say it's 7500 for the week and you're like, you know, you, you want to explode because that's, that's going to take care of me for six months. And I'm like, okay, that sounds okay. You know, try to <laughs> not lose it. And, uh, I have $546 in my bank account. Okay. So, you know, so I had, I, I, I think I had to drive around and find free parking for that meeting. Yes. Yes. And just go, all right, all right. And just like, I, it's at a hotel. I'm like, I had to park like blocks away because I was, couldn't afford the, the valet. And then, uh, sit through that. And so these guys, that it was, uh, Michael Stevens and George Stevens who do the AFI shows. So they saved me that way. Like I was, I was, my parents are going to have an intervention and say, it's time for you to come home. And, um, my brother-in-law and sister, I think we were going to come out and say, Hey, you had a good little run. But, um, but this is, that's about when I started to do Larry Sanders and Carol Liefer looked promising. Um, and then this AFI came in and then, so, but, uh, so anyway, they kind of got me out of the, the depths of, of like, Oh, here's a little momentum. So when I met Brooke, I meet her and I'm busy and they call two weeks later and say, Hey, do you want to host or host? Uh, do you want to write this Christmas in Washington, which NBC used to do? And, uh, I was like, yeah, I hate saying no. And they, they were always so helpful. I said, I can do it if you don't mind if I just do it on the weekend when I get there. And they're like, fine. And they go, who's hosting? And they said, Brooke. I said, Oh, tell the guy hosting, <laughs> tell the guy, tell the guy writing is the guy who she met like a week earlier. So then, that's so yeah, like, fortuitous. weird. I know it's that's crazy. Like yeah. If you're going to be on an airplane and you're like, okay, can you put me in the seat next to that person? Yeah. And that, even better so, because you're like working yeah. and it's, she needs you to do a good it's job. It's what TV calls a cute meet. <laughs> that is a really cute meet. Yeah. And then, uh, so that was, and then, then that was that. That's so sweet. Wait. And so then, um, I'm with her came after that. I'm with her came. Cause it seems like a, a uh, like three or four, a little bit. Yeah. Like four years later, it was kind of the same setup of a, a normal guy dating uh, a celebrity. Minus uh, the teacher part. I know you're not. Yeah. Like, no, that teacher. So he, and he was a teacher. Yeah. Teacher. And we did that. I did that with Marco Panette who, I don't know where he is. He was on, he was just on like Desperate Housewives or something like that. Uh, he's oh, a great guy. Yes. And then, uh, he's, so, he's very fascinating. Yeah. Cause he, a, he was outed. Yes. On red carpet, I think. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, then I'm with her and, and, uh, do you feel proud of, of the shows you've done that you created? For, yeah. Uh, for the most part. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you, you look back and go, oh, I would do this differently, but you, I look back on yesterday and think that things that I would do different. But you, what about you, today? No, today's a, a, a dream. Today's working out <laughs> real good. <laughs> Your script for I'm with her is on sale on eBay. It's eight ninety five. Wait, hold on. I have the exact price. <laughs> it's. Eight eleven, and then five ninety five with shipping, on eBay, but it's already been taken. 
Someone bought it. <laughs> was it my mom? I just think it's sort of interesting that people so are selling weird. scripts on eBay because I'm like, can't you just photocopy that or email it? Yeah. Someone is making a lot of money. The other thing that I thought was funny is uh, I have a family friend who's really white as white can be. Like me? Like you. <laughs> yeah. And he's had two or three wives who are very dark haired and all the kids have blonde blonde hair and oh, I just yeah. thought it was funny because you have strong DNA also. I'm not my kids are all redheaded <laughs> yes. I have to I leave here because I got them it's surprising with tickets to One Direction and they're going to go crazy when they find out are they going to go absolutely yeah. out of their tree how they're old gonna, are they now six and nine and so are they here or are they in they're in New York so I have to Skype and I'm going to have when I Skype from my office behind me I'm going to put a bunch of pictures in One Direction and just talk to him like nothing's going on. They're going to say, well, Dad, why, why do you have the One Direction behind you? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so see how they do. So awesome. Is it going to be the show in New York? Or yeah, they're at, at the garden. So How much cooler are you as a parent than your own parents? No, my parents have never done that. I mean, <laughs> no, you no. can love your parents. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to I know. Dads, but no. like, who even, I can't even no. imagine my parents knowing who the who was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, never mind. Which, yeah. Wait, and so, okay, then I just wanted to hear about producing because you like shift to taking on all these and i guess to me i don't know what a producer is it's sort of like i grew up in dc and everyone's a lawyer and... i don't I, you know what it, it's we we have a great company um and you're talking about gary sanchez. gary sanchez and funnier die as well but at gary sanchez we that's you adam mckay will ferrell will ferrell and judd apatow or no uh judd is with uh funnier die okay and then also within the company we have uh, jessica elbaum and owen burke and i Kevin know Messick. Owen. yes and you I... know owen yes so it's kind of everything. There's the money part of it and scheduling and casting. And then there's the development of a script. And then there's the notes. And then there's taking care of the, you know, the studio and, and answering their questions. And then there's the hiring and then, you know, of everybody for the... the Sounds horrible. It's a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of phone call work and stuff like that. And uh, then it's in production. And it's when you're in production, being on the set trying to put out fires on the set if you you know you the great thing is is you hire people who are really qualified at at all these things or surround yourself with those great people and it's everybody's done so much everybody knows what they're supposed to do and it works fine but do you have like specifics that you do on like are you the the go-to guy for a specific thing yeah like, you, the, uh, there's, the the, yeah well there's uh uh kevin in our office is much better at looking at breaking down a budget and looking at where, you know, what money you can be saved. He's, he's great at, uh, cause he didn't work on wall street. He therefore that. no, he's, but he's, he's, he's like, he's back. like a classic Hollywood producer. Like he, he hits all the moments and knows tricks of the trade and how you can move this and shift this. And what if you focus on this, he can look at a script, you know, as a writer and, uh, we, we become maybe married to things that just because we like, and we know they're going to look great or be funny or something like that but he can look as and go oh you don't need this you don't need that so he's a little bit more of uh we call him the machine he's able to go like you know just not that he's emotionless but be emotionless about choices like that i get it which he's is very helpful yeah you know i didn't say that <laughs> no he's just he's good about looking at a script and go you don't need that you know i i think like uh, adams is fantastic and i i help with the development of the script help and you're still it. writing too and then, I, and then i'll try and, and get a writer project uh, every now and then too and like for film versus TV, because you do both. Yes. How how is that different? They're they're kind of the same, I think. I think especially uh, you know, television writing is, is harder to shift gears and go to. I think uh, especially sitcom format and rhythm that is actually hard to to go back to. I can get back into it, but it's it's a it's a different gear to shift into. That's why I use the word serious incorrectly, but I do think it is a totally different yeah it's um, just skill set. Yeah, it, it's a different. Uh, like, I, I think it's. I think if you're writing, a, if you're on a, a staff of a sitcom and you're writing sitcoms, I think it's kind of like you can go write movies and it's freeing. 
do you do you enjoy doing the producing side as much as writing? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's, you know you just want to be in a room writing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It also can be really rewarding. And it's just like it's one of those things you're constantly learning. My dog is like she she's like totally dog. taking over. <laughs> Lady, it's it's humid out and wet. And she, um, no, what's the, wait, what's the question? Does it feel creative? Yeah, it can be. It's like creative, you know, I, I think I'm amazed when someone, you know, goes through a budget and is like, and you're like, oh, that's smart and creative. You know, you can, it, those things can still be creative and fun. And, I also heard from one of your friends that like you love producing, like you'll have people over, you love to cook and you'll oh, yeah. have them all over for sports games to watch like boxing and things yes. like that. But you'll never sit down and watch. You just, you just end up cooking the whole time. I, I yeah, I, love, I, I sent out an email because the Pacquiao fights this weekend. So it's like, all right, what are we cooking? And, uh, yeah, I, I can't tell you played the last 10 Super Bowls, but I'll tell you what I cooked. So, <laughs> so it's, a, it's not like you do have a drive to be producing. Well, I like that. Like producing is caretaking and yeah, or can be. So I, I like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, then, like, yeah like, and then like logistically, cause I just, your schedule seems bananas to me. You go home yeah. to New York. I go to New York a lot on weekends and not this weekend cause there's a fight. Who's <laughs> so, fighting? <laughs> uh, Pacquiao and I think Marquez. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'll know as soon as it's fight night when I order it. <laughs> so, okay. You order it on television? I don't yeah, know how it works. Yeah, though. pay-per-view and guys show up around five. And, and then you guys just watch this. We, cook, I, we eat, we eat well, and then we all sit down and watch the fight. And then on Sunday you go play basketball. And then Sunday I go play basketball. And then you'll see your kids when you don't do that. When I, yeah, they but come, I mean... They I, come third. They come third. <laughs> my cooking with guys, <laughs> basketball with guys, and then my kids. <laughs> no, that's horrible. I get back a lot. I get back a lot. Um, and then the other logistical part, like seriously, how do you keep your brain um, focused when you have so many different? I mean, how many films are you guys doing right now? We we have a, we're busy, so it's just like in college when you had more on your yeah. plate, you, you schedule time better. Yes, we're right. When you're doing yeah. more, you, yeah. you get so more. So it's fun, and that's another thing. It's just, it's fun shifting gears, and 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 being focused on stuff. Is there anything you're um, working on right now that you're particularly excited about? Mm, a lot of stuff. We have a fun, we have a fun uh, scripted at HBO uh, about 1980s Wall Street that McKay and I are writing. That's we, so exciting! Yeah, kind of a just a, a horrible world look at, at bond traders. Not a horrible look, just a crazy look at, at bond traders that are out of their minds. Um, that's fascinating. Wait, yeah. Is it so because you've done Eastbound and Down and Entourage? Yeah. Is it in that kind of? Yeah, it's it's a, it's actually even those two are different veins. Yeah, it's just like it's. That strong alpha male anti-hero kind of world. Okay. Yeah. I got to um, tell you about this guy, this speculator. Okay. Um, who was on Wall Street forever. Niederhofer. Um, called uh, his father. She's a she's in film. Right. And her father is called a speculator. Speculator. And he, and he calls himself that. And he used to make tons of money and he also lost tons of money. Right. Um, but yeah, and his business card is the speculator. Uh, why, why would you um, work with that guy? Well, but it'll be, I think it'll be a good, um, inspiration yes. for, for your, for your thing. And he's a huge squash champion. I love oh, all gosh. the other, like <laughs> the, uh, that world, the um, hyper competitive elements that come out in every way, in every part of their, yeah. their, their body. Okay. So yeah, that's really that. exciting. Yeah. It's fun. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. We have Anchorman starting up Anchorman too. So Adam and Will are off writing that script and I, I'm not mad. Put, I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm, I put my head in on that whenever I can <laughs> just to. <laughs> That's really funny and looking good. And, and then just a bunch of other movies in development. So those are... And then we have Eastbound and Down starting up again. That's exciting, too. Season four. And uh, and some funnier die television shows. Mike Farrow down there is at 
Oh yeah, he's people. great. He's fantastic. He's got people out pitching shows and and that's you know so it's poking my head in all those things. I have to say, like as a as a not young age wise, but young comedy wise, um, they're all he's so super nice. Like when you pitch things, guy. he'll just tell me right away, like that's a great one, that's not good. Right. This is you know, and it's just he's that way with me too. I prefer the honesty so much. Yeah, it's he's very un LA. Uh, Owen Burke's got a lot of things percolating at NBC, FX. Uh, when you see Owen, will you go, give me my soup? Do you remember that from Throw Mama from the Train? Yes. <laughs> Why? What, what, will you guys do that? I don't know. Or but you... Anytime I see him, I always, I don't think he enjoys it, but I just always say, <laughs> oh, and give, give me, me my soup. soup. Um, Chris MG, this has been so fun. I Thanks for, I'm, I'm a, a meeting. Do I, well, are I supposed to get a plaque or? Yeah, you do get your plaque. It's going to get sent to you. Do you want it sent to you in New York or um, do you want, do you want the, um, them to present it to you at the concert that you're going to with I your would, daughters? No, I'm, I'm not going. I'm sending my wife. <laughs> that she's, is very sweet, she's though. She's going to go, yes. Wait, I did want to say one thing. Oh, boy. She, she was the first person who I saw who was really funny. Brooke Shields was the first yeah. person I saw who was hilarious, where I was like, oh, I guess that, like, because she's beautiful, yeah. they don't take her no, seriously as a comedic I know. She's, actress. She's really funny. She's she hilarious. Makes me laugh. I know. She makes me laugh so much. And, like, I don't know her. This is, yeah. like, completely just watching her on TV. But it was, like, she was on Suddenly Susan. Right. And I was like, oh, she's actually naturally funny. She's very, yeah, she's, she's got a natural funny bone. And she's, yeah, we laugh all the time. That was, that was like, a moment where I was like, oh, I guess that is an issue. She can do it. Yeah. That's what's kept me away from modeling. <laughs> Chris the comedy, comedy. <laughs> Chris Angie, this was such a joy oh, to have I you hope, on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, I hope we Nobody, can have you back. Six five. Six five. You swear to God? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> it was a real joy to have you on Employee of the Month. Awesome. I love your dog too. Lady Fudge, so say sweet. thank you. She's so sweet. Even though you have smelly breath. That's it for my interview with Chris Henshi. Hopefully we will have him back again. It was a real joy to interview him. And I want to thank Six Point Harness here in LA for allowing us to conduct the interview in their sound booth and Lady Parts for being just a phenomenal sidekick. I did think that sometimes she interjected a little too much, but she and I can work that out. And that's part of a working relationship is like dealing with, you know, negotiating office politics. So she and I will have to sort that stuff out. Thank you to Dave Steffi, as well as Ian Mazoff. And to all of you for listening, please continue to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud if you want to go to individual episodes. And you are always welcome and encouraged to donate. It really means a great deal to us to have all of these fans. So thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good day. Wear a sweater if you need.